Happy, happy, happy Tuesday. And welcome back to another episode of Uproot on Air, brought to you by East Broadcast Network, EBN, in association with Uproot INC and King and Foster King. And I'm your host, Antoine Dean. So last week, we discussed, we had an interview with a Miss Erica Buckman, the CEO of Benown Communities, who's a former law enforcement officer. She talked about her experiences as a black female in law enforcement, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and why she decided to start her organization. It was a really good interview, and she is always welcome on the show. With that being said, I hope everybody enjoyed their holiday weekend. And for those who have been watching the news, we're going to discuss the tragedy that happened in Alabama uh, Thanksgiving night and also talk about a tragedy that happened November the 15th. So there's two shootings that's happened this month and we're going to get into it. And then we're going to talk about the importance of family. So you guys sit back, relax and get ready for another half hour with me and Uproot on air. And we'll be back after the short break. So, correction, the gentleman, Jamel Robertson, was killed on November the 11th, not November the 15th. Um, so, who was Jamel Robertson? Jamel Robertson was a security guard, an armed security guard, who was doing his job in the early mornings of November the 11th in the Chicago Suburbans when a, a shooting broke out. Shortly after the shooting, Robertson subdued the suspect at gunpoint and had him pinned down waiting for the police to arrive. He was working at Manny's Blue Room Bar, which is in Robbins, Illinois. Um, security personnel asked a group of men to leave following an argument. Soon after, at least one of the gentlemen returned and decided to shoot up the bar, injuring some people inside the bar. Security returned fire and Robinson detained the man. Police were called. Robertson had um, placed him on the back, on the ground, and put a knee in his back and had him at gunpoint while he waited on the police to arrive. And when the police got there, instead of... This is the problem that I have with law enforcement. I did it for almost two decades, and I know sometimes the decisions that we make while you're on the opposite end of it. When you see a man pointing a gun at somebody else, you don't take time to, to really see the whole picture. You only see one thing. And I know this is a, a bad thing to say because a lot of people are probably going to disagree with me, but it's hard being a black person in America, especially when you're... We talked about it last week when we did an interview with Erica Buckman. Her being a black female in law enforcement, she still got treated like she was not a police officer. It's hard so when a black man has a gun pointed on somebody else, they're automatically assumed to be a criminal. And that's what we have to uproot. That's why we do what we do. That's the problem. So there is a huge training issue. We have to stop looking at all black people as criminals because it's just not true. It's not. And that is so un 
fair. It's so biased and it's so ridiculous. And that's what happened to Robertson. He was doing his job. And when the police got there, all they saw was a black man with a gun. And a lot of you may argue what I'm saying to be true. And if you do, that's okay. That's your opinion. But I know for a fact, being in the game for almost 20 years and seeing it for myself, it's almost amazing that that's a reality. And then not even being in the uniform and having personal issues with law enforcement. And I don't violate the law at all and still have them treat me like I'm a criminal. That's how I know it's a fact based off of my experiences and the fact that you can research that. And you have more people will tell you that they've been pulled over and harassed by non-black officers and black officers because that they automatically assumed to be a criminal. So this is what happened to this gentleman as he was doing his job, working his full-time job, doing what he was supposed to, stopping crime because that was that's what he was hired to do. Armed security guard have to go through background checks and all the necessary steps to be able to do the job and effectively make the type of detentions that they have to make. So when law enforcement got there, what did they see? Black man with a gun holding another black man down and did not even give him any verbal commands and shot him immediately. We'll be back after the break. So when the police arrived on scene, they saw Robertson with his knee in this gentleman's back. And witnesses told them that he was a security guard working at the club. And one officer who hasn't been named as of yet opened fire on Jamel, killing him. And that's a problem. Everybody was screaming out, he's security, he's security. And he still was shot. Now, as a law enforcement officer, you don't have to listen to that, but it would be very good police work to get all the clues involved versus you just being so ready to to shoot somebody. And I know it's hard when you walk around every day with a gun on you and you don't have anything to kill. And I say that on purpose because it does create a mind frame. If you take any person throw them in the military at a young age and give them the right to be able to go and, and kill people and they don't ever get the opportunity to do it. And then they jump right into a, a uniform where they have to serve and protect and they still wear a gun every day and they don't get the opportunity to use that firearm. The minute the opportunity is presented to, to that person, they will use it. And that's anybody that has that type of mind frame. And that's a part of the problem. Because police officers are taught to shoot first and ask questions later and be justified if the situation fits the means. So what happened clearly was wrong on the officer's part because he didn't gather as much information as possible. But also he does have to make a split decision choice to make. But again, good police work also. A veteran officer would have probably taken a little bit more time. And I don't know if this officer was a veteran or not because it doesn't get in detail with it. A little bit more time to be like, hey, this doesn't look right. Most people that are going to shoot somebody or, or at least he had a uniform on, I hope. He was armed and he had a knee in the back. That kind of looks like something that we would do. I don't know any criminal who's 
going to shoot somebody who's going to be detaining the person they're going to shoot. So all of that's police work and all of that's common knowledge. All of that's just sense. Let's take a look at what's going on here. Let's put all of the pieces to the puzzle. It doesn't take that much time to figure that out. And especially when you've got people saying, hey, that's security, that's security, that's security. The person he's got up underneath him is the person who caused the problem. He was just doing his job. So he was not wearing anything to identify him as a security guard. That is a part of the problem. But it's also, again, goes back to police work. He did have a hat on that said security, putting all the pieces to the puzzle together. It's sad that this gentleman was killed for doing his job. We have to stop looking at all black men as threats because it's not true. That is a super problem in this country. It was a problem when I was in law enforcement. It's a problem because officers get trained in areas to look at black men as problems. We're trained to look at um, anybody that doesn't fit the profile. The profile is that you live in an inner city. You have to be a criminal. That's not right. And again, you're not going to agree with that, but I've seen it. I've watched it happen. And when I was in training, I trained officers to see the elements of the crime, to see the whole picture and not somebody based off of what they look like. Now, there are types of crimes that are committed by certain types of criminals that have identifiers to them, but not people doing what Mr. Jamel does. He was doing his job and they didn't take the time to do it enough police work in the beginning you have to be able to identify as many clues or you're going to have mistakes like this and we'll be back after the break so there are several reports that are coming out now from the police department who actually who's doing the investigation, the Illinois State Police Department, saying that officer did give Robertson verbal commands before actually discharging his firearm, according to some witness statements. But some of the witnesses also are saying that they didn't hear anything. Um, And they're also saying that he did not have anything that identified him as a security guard other than the hat that said security on it. Now, there were four people that were injured including the man believed to be behind the, the shooting. And they have not released the name of that person, and he's also not been charged with it yet. So Jamel was killed because he was doing his job, and it's always perceived by certain law enforcement agencies, not all of them, but a few of them have problems when we're dealing with people who don't look like them. And what I mean by that. Everybody knows that 95% of the country is Caucasian. And in those few little pockets, there live African-American communities. Now, I can tell you from experience that if 95% of America is Caucasian, then 95% of the crime is also Caucasian. Only in the big cities, in certain areas, you're going to have crime. And we know like Chicago, parts of Atlanta have crime, but not all of it. And it's few places and it's only a select area. But you have more places who have more Caucasian people in it who commit the same types of crimes or even more violent crimes. 
the types of crimes that I always dealt with, they're violent to an extent. Armed robbery is violent, but it's not to white people. It's always to another black person. That's a problem also. So when officers see black people and they automatically assume that that person is going to do something to them, they need to cut that mess out because we don't have a history of doing anything to anybody but ourselves. But there is a history of everybody doing something to us. And we have to get to the point where we're not allowing that to happen, even amongst our own selves. So there's more crimes that occur in the bigger cities because there's more of us in it, but only in select places. But there's crime that happens all over this country in communities that are not African-American. And that is a fact. So for officers to always feel that black people are always the criminal is hogwash. And I know that sounds retarded, but that's the word that I'm using right now. That piggybacks off into the, the situation that happened in the Alabama mall for the young man that was just killed on Thanksgiving night. And we'll be back after the break. All right, guys, welcome back from the break. So, as you know, you've been watching the news and you've seen that the latest shooting that's happened in Alabama, in Hoover, Alabama, at a mall in the River Chase Galleria on um, Thursday night. Now, there hasn't been any official information released on what actually happened, how it happened, why it happened. But we do know that a 21-year-old male, uh, Ematic Fitzgerald Bradford Jr., was shot by the police. Um, it said that originally he was the suspect that they were chasing because he was armed. It also says he was brandishing a weapon. That's what the reports have stated. But it turns out that he wasn't the actual gunman at all. And it also turns out that the gentleman was legally able to carry the firearm that he had in the holster. And on Friday, they released a spokesperson for the police department, released a statement saying that initially they thought that he was the person who uh, committed the crime. Um, they believed he was involved in the initial altercation. The information indicates that there was at least one gunman still at large and they haven't provided the, the name. So when they got to the scene, they saw what they believed to be the person committing the crime and shot EJ. There hasn't been enough information released as of yet. Uh, there's too much speculation going on, but it seems like this gentleman was killed and was not involved in the actual shooting. Now, his parents are very upset because they found out about this information via social media. The police department did not reach out to them immediately telling them that their son was killed by an officer. Now, the officer who's involved in the shooting has been put on administrative leave and pending an investigation. And the state has taken up the case because they want to do a investigation without uh, anybody in the Jefferson County Police Department or Sheriff's Department handling the case. So the Bradford family is retained an attorney, Benjamin Crump. Um, to represent them because they feel that it's a 
a violation of his civil rights. And it might turn out to be once all the information has been given. But again, we have the same situation. This gentleman that we know of as of yet was not involved in the shooting, according to the police report. Initially thought that he was. They didn't indicate why. Probably because he had a sidearm, which is not against the law in Alabama because it's an open carry state as long as the weapon is holstered. And from the information that we've received, he did not have the weapon unholstered. So you've got these protesters now, black and white in Alabama, who are protesting outside of all. They want justice for this gentleman. People are tired of what's going on in this country. We've seen so many people get killed. The problem that I have with it all is it's not something that's new. We have been fighting for the injustices that's been happening in our communities for decades. That's why most of us get into law enforcement because it has to be changed from the inside and from the outside. We have to have the right types of people in those positions working in law enforcement or working in the district attorney's offices, working in the judicial system so that there is a balancement, there is a fairness. If we don't, then it's going to continue to be one-sided because they're not going to change. They don't see it as a problem. It's like going to the, the cheating spouse and asking, I've said this before, could you please stop cheating on me? They don't have a problem with it. It's not affecting them negatively. So we have to change it from the inside. We have to start doing things on our end. And we also have to start getting inside of it and changing the culture of it because it's not going to change overnight. We have to do more to change it on the inside. We have to do more to change it on the outside. And a lot of that is through information, through education, getting more educated about what law enforcement is and what it's not. So the family is heartbroken, which they should be. Because they still haven't received any answers. They still don't know what's going on. They're, they've been told that their son was involved in the shooting, but was retracted and said that, no, he may not have been the shooter at all. But you still killed my son. That's not making me feel any better. Every black person that has a gun on is not a criminal. Every black person walking the street is not a criminal. We are not going to continue to let this type of behavior. It has to change. And how do we change it? We change it through information. We change it through training standards. We change it by getting inside law enforcement and changing the face of it, period. If you're not willing to do that, if you're not willing to help, if you're not willing to get inside of it, if you're not willing to be the best officer, black, white, purple, or gold, and you just want to sit back and and hope that it's going to get better, then you're not going to help. It's not going to help it that way. We have to do. We need more people doing more stuff. It's the bottom line. We need more organizations helping to bring more um, awareness to it. We need more organizations helping build the frontier lines to remove some of the biasness that we have in it. We need more people getting in law enforcement, doing by unbiased work. We need more officers in more neighborhoods that are more diverse, that understand everybody versus the things that we've been dealing with. If we don't change it, it's not going to get changed. And we'll be back after the break.
All right, guys, welcome back from the break. So before we get into our closing section, we want to talk about family. Now, this week, the last week, sorry, that just passed was a holiday weekend for many of us. And we enjoyed celebrating with our family. Now, I know there's a lot of people out there who do not have close family, but you have friends, you have people that you can you can relate to. And guess what? That's still family. Why is family important? It's important because you may have everything, money, cars, and all the material things, but you don't have anybody, anybody to share it with, anybody to talk to when you're going through some things. In law enforcement, family is very important. As an officer, one of our biggest priorities, what drives us, Every day is getting home to our families. And as a citizen, as a regular person, that's also important when you get in a law enforcement encounter. You want to go home to your family because you don't know what type of officer you're dealing with that day. And controversially, the officer doesn't know what kind of person that they're dealing with when they're encountering them. So what's always constantly on your mind is getting back to your family. And that's why family is important. In situations where you lose family members to unjustified police behavior, Family comes together and they help you in those times of need. Conversely, when you're a law enforcement officer and you're dealing with a situation at work where you may have just had to take somebody's life justifiably, you need your family to be there to help you through that time. So family is important on both ends of the spectrum. It's also important because without somebody to talk to, without somebody to share your good days and your bad days with, it's harder for you as a professional to be able to push forward because you hold up so much inside of you. You keep so much negative energy inside of you because you do deal with people's negative stuff on a daily basis. And I'm not saying that that's an excuse for officers. What I'm saying is, is that they are people also and they do have families. So to the family members that have lost loved ones in law enforcement to law enforcement, our condolences go out to you because a family is important. And we'll be back after the break. Welcome back from the break. And every Tuesday we give our closing remarks and we just want to say to all the loved family members who's lost loved ones in any unjust act, our hearts, our thoughts and our minds go out with you. We will continue to build bridges to a better way of doing things. But with all organizations that are nonprofits, we need your help to do that. Go to our website www.uprootinc1.com That's www.uprootinc1.com And don't forget to hit the links to follow us on all of our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Share us, talk about us. As long as we're in your hearts and minds, we're able to affect and help. If we only help one person at a time, that's something. We are working on our YouTube channel and our podcast is always on Tuesdays at 8 o'clock on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, Beaker, and a host of different other places. 
So don't forget, every Tuesday, 8 p.m., to sit back, relax, and get comfortable. And hang out with us on Uproot On Air. And we'll talk to you next week.